Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you're listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for July 12th, 2020. Oyokumosa here, so very, very glad you joined us. Yes, indeed. Well, Central California here, we're having a little bit of a heat wave, triple digits. It's okay. Dry heat, but it's still hot. Uh, I don't know what we used to do when we didn't have air conditioning in our homes or in our cars. Uh, I I grew up when that wasn't, uh, you know, that was uh, uh, not standard things. And uh, we just opened the windows. (laughs) Well, I am utilizing the sun's power uh, with the green technology. And um, we just about completed... uh, is having solar panels installed here at Bright Down Center. And um, uh, uh, it's completed, but they still need to, it's not operational right now yet. It's uh, in that they have to wait for uh, county uh, inspector approval, PG&E, and so forth. But it's very exciting that, uh, and it will be after the uh, initial capital costs. Of course, it should really reduce uh, electrical bills on into the future. Yes. Um, I was thinking um, the solar panels, you know, face the sun. And, and uh, uh, my name, Koyo, means to face the sun. In this case, the sun means light, uh, uh, wisdom, okay, and warmth, compassion. You know, the sun, without the, the sun, the earth would be a cold, lifeless place. And, um, and the sun is a, is a, is a, primal uh, uh, symbol in a lot of cultures. I know that the um, ancient Egyptian culture 
revered the son and so forth. And so I, and so, and the son in Buddhism does mean, uh, light and life, wisdom and compassion, you know, spiritual virtues, wisdom and compassion, um, that we should face in those directions in terms of our aspirations, okay, even though we may not be able to to uh, ever complete the uh, idealism of it, we can face in the direction and do what we can, right? Uh, so whenever I I want to maximize the impact of this teaching and so I try to make the association in my mind that whenever I see the solar panels, I say, yeah, that's <laughs> just like those panels. I'm going to face the sun. I got to live up to my name and so forth. So uh, <laughs> I, I I like to think that um, uh, there's a balance uh, in everything, and when we think about the dynamic Dharma, uh, it means that uh, there's a, a uh, I like that word dynamic, you know, uh, it means it's active, moving, it's not static or stationary. And I was thinking about, um, I read an article recently about the uh, human physiology in the brain, um, neuroanatomy, the adenum amygdala. I can't pronounce that. It's a brain structure, ancient brain structure, almond-sized uh, in our brain that's sometimes called the primitive brain aspect where it's um it used to be thought that was exclusively for for th- to to uh deal with prepare for stress for a threat it's the center that uh says uh, you know uh to assess off if you, <laughs> if uh, the organism is in danger in some way hey you know for survival the agnum amongala uh part of the brain uh, really uh, uh, its job is to be on the lookout okay, for so-called negative situations, uh, threatening stimuli, and so forth. But uh, this, this article is saying that it's also uh, sensitive to positive stimuli, and it, and it, uh, it can balance the two the positive and the negative, the good and the bad. Um, uh, and that's what I think dynamic means, back and forth. It uh, doesn't deny either one. It says because both are there. And uh, when I was thinking of, um, I had an a, a office mate in graduate school that could... Uh, he could juggle things. He could balance things. Um, <laughs> uh, he could take a chair, put one of the legs on his chin, 
and balance a chair. He could balance, a, you know, a pencil or ruler, anything, in all kinds of ways. But, but the reason I mention this is because when you think of balance, something that, you know, uh, like balancing anything, uh, you think you need it right in the center and that it's stationary and still. But that's not how uh, it works. Because I noticed right away what you do is you keep it in motion. You keep that object in motion back and forth just a little bit. That's how you balance it, okay? Not making it right in the center of its balance point and being static and still. You're actually moving back and forth, you know, just a little bit between that point. That's, that's I, I like that, it, the dynamic back and forth. Huh? The center, right around that center of the balance, okay? And I think that's how it is for in the Agam, Agamdala, you know, positive, negative, the good and the bad. Okay? Uh, we don't have to, we cannot deny or reject one or the other. Okay? But we know how to balance it. That's a dynamic dharma. That's interdependency. Okay? Uh, it's not either or. Interact, in, inner, interaction. Huh? Interdependency. That's how I see it. And, um, <clears throat> Uh, and then I, I'm thinking that uh, I'm looking at my notes here um, to have that kind of an attitude, I guess, spiritual attitude about facing the sun and everything that occurs under the sun, the good and the bad, and so forth, because that's how human nature has wired us. And another great saying that I like is. Great teaching requires great listening. You know, we have to be a good uh, uh, receiver. It's not just a matter of, in you know, the movie Contact. There's a, it's an old movie, but with, uh, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Jodie Foster. Uh, contact movie. It, it's about trying to make contact with uh, extra, if there's any extraterrestrial terrestrial life out there in space and they had these big very large sensitive receivers you know out in the desert someplace and and they're looking for radio frequency waves coming from outer space and so forth and uh, I like that kind of uh, metaphor in terms of being a good receiver because uh, the radio waves are invisible they're all around us, but we don't know that they exist. It's like, a, say, like a, a ham radio or even a regular transistor radio or something. Uh, you turn it on and boom, you got music. Change the station, boom, you got this. Okay? It's all there. The waves are <laughs> accessible okay? if you got a receiver. You know, So it's not a matter of it's a balance. It's a combination of finding good teachings out there and at the same time being a good listener. Huh? And being a good listener, I don't think, goes beyond just focus and attention. I think it, in, it involves an individual's whole life karma, you know, and, uh, and the direction and our 
you know, how we want to live. It's it's our life's attitude. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking of all these kinds of things when I was thinking about our solar project uh, that we're right in the midst of and facing the sun and so forth. Okay, okay. Well, I want to introduce our guest to give us the Dharma glimpse today, Doug Cuyo. Uh, uh, he used to live in the L.A. area, and then after he and his wife retired, they moved up to the uh, Washington State in the beautiful Northwest. He was part of the LM4 group. So let's hear from Cuyo. Thank you, Reverend Cuyo, and hello to all. The title of my Dharma Glimpse is Meandering Musings on Mindfulness. There's an old saying, a watch pot never boils. Well, we have an electric toothbrush that was recommended by our dentist. Its cycle lasts exactly two minutes according to the clock. But if you're in a hurry, time perversely slows down and the wait can seem interminable. As it goes on and on, at some point you start to wonder if the toothbrush is broken and will keep running until the battery is dead. Being a little on the compulsive side, I slavishly follow the rules and always let it go the full two minutes. Somebody else might say that's enough and hit the off button mid-cycle, but not me. This is war. I've tried various strategies to deal with the boredom while waiting for it to finish. I do not recommend checking your email on the cell phone at the same time you're brushing. Also a bad idea is to use your free hand to put your socks on. In general, trying to multitask as a way to make a chore more tolerable tends to backfire. My authority on this is Walpola Rahula, who in his book, What the Buddha Taught, says, Sometimes you see a man in a restaurant reading while eating, a very common sight. You wonder whether he eats or reads. One may say that he does both. In fact, he does neither. He enjoys neither. More to the point, is an anecdote I came across several years ago in a book by the Dutch writer Jan William van de Wettering. Although more widely known for his detective novels, he entered a Zen monastery in Kyoto in 1958 when he was 26 and wrote about his experiences in a book called The Empty Mirror. The incident that made an impression on me was when the head monk told him, whatever you do, do it well as well as you can, and be aware of what you are doing. Don't try to do two things at the same time, like pissing and cleaning your teeth. I have seen you do that. Perhaps you think you are saving time that way, but the result is no more than a mess in the lavatory and a mess in your mouth. Of course, mindfulness is in the air now. It's even got its own magazine, which, back in the pre-apocalyptic days when people still went to grocery stores, you could buy at the checkout counter. If I was to recommend a book on the subject, it would be Mindfulness in Plain English by Bhante Gunaratana. Not sure if I pronounced that right, but of course there are many others. In my own life, I'm starting to become aware of how much of my behavior is automatic and distracted, 
One of the first things I do in the morning is to let the dogs out and stay in the backyard with them on the remote chance of an eagle attack. I feel pressured to rush this time, especially when I start to smell the coffee brewing. I have to resist the urge to fish my cell phone out of my bathrobe pocket and instead start to pay attention to the sky, the trees, and the various kinds of wildlife, including the dogs, and literally smell the roses. A few close encounters have cured me of texting and driving, but if the phone rings in the car, well, that's a little harder to resist. I also don't have any reading material in the bathroom. There are other benefits to paying attention. Due to some negative karma in my past life, in this one I'm left-handed and clumsy, which amount to the same thing. If I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing, I can be rewarded with an accident or injury or just a general mess. I might be in the shower solving the world's problems in my mind when the next thing you know, I've rubbed something called in-shower body lotion in my hair. In my defense, I don't know what half those bottles in there are for. And I'm notorious for calling out to the household, has anyone seen my glasses, my cell phone, the car keys? Let me shift gears a little and talk about an online course I just finished called Buddhism and Modern Psychology. By modern is meant evolutionary psychology, and in particular, a concept called the modular model of the mind. The theory dispenses with the idea of an overall CEO that runs the show in favor of a number of competing mental modules that come to the fore depending on the situation. A common analogy is to compare the mind to a Swiss army knife that has a number of specialized blades, but no particular one can be said to be the knife. If you'll bear with me a little more, this all leads into a feature of the modular mind model called the default mode network. This is a group of brain regions that show higher activity when we're not doing any specific mental exercise. So we could be recalling the past, planning for the future, thinking about ourselves or others, or just letting our mind wander. Let's call it by a more familiar term, the monkey mind. Experiments using MRI scans show that the default mode network activity is reduced during mindfulness meditation. I would expect that the same is true of mindfulness practice in general. Getting back to the electric toothbrush, my approach now is to close my eyes and focus on each tooth as I go through each quadrant. I estimate when 30 seconds has gone by before moving to the next area. I'm now aware of the differences in various parts of my mouth and the way my head resonates with the vibration of the brush. Now, if you're waiting for me to say how I've transformed my experience with the toothbrush into something spiritual and rewarding, I have to disappoint you. I haven't become one with the toothbrush, and time is still time, but I've stopped fighting it or trying to avoid it. It's still a chore, but it's better without my monkey mind chattering away. The urgency has gone out of it. Here is the take-home point. We're taught that there is a difference between pain and suffering 
that one is inevitable but the other is optional. According to one researcher, our greatest source of suffering is when we get stuck in the default mode. It sounds extreme, but I don't need to turn the pain of toothbrushing into suffering by trying to escape it. Thank you for listening. And oh yes, we also have an electric water flosser. Its cycle lasts about 60 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, well, you know, uh, my father, Reverend Yomi Kubose, he was fond of saying, do one thing at a time, you know, and um, uh, when you stand, or Zen saying, you know, I used to have a, a daily calendar, uh, one one page for each day, and they had a kind of a, a Buddhist saying or some kind of a teaching, and um, one one. Uh, Zen saying was, when you stand, stand. When you sit, sit. And um, uh, I think um, we often are, especially, well, I'm going, I was going to say when we're young or when we're ambitious, when, we're, when our life is busy, we, it's hard to do one thing at a time. And... Um, we don't just sit down in the present moment, you know. Our minds are always running different tapes, and 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 maybe it's the Protestant ethic or whatever you want to call it. But we want to be efficient. We don't want to be, you know, wasteful. Okay, in terms of our time and our effort, we've got to be efficient. Okay, don't be wasteful in terms of, you know. Uh, doing things and um, there's a lot uh, of uh, material there for Dharma teachings you know uh, and it's sort of like with, you, with one's life too you know whatever we are be a good one you know um, and it's kind of interesting that when we uh some people have to multitask. That is a... <laughs> and I think it crops up in a lot of... Uh, not hidden, but I mean in ways that we're unaware of it, you know? And um, it's sort of like... Um, I'm, I'm thinking about a book title called Invisible Eyelashes. And it's, uh, it's written by a Buddhist teacher and uh, invisible eyelashes. It means that those things, we don't see our eyelashes. Our eyes look out the eyelashes. We're interested in, you know, <laughs> uh, we don't even notice our eyelashes. Okay? And uh, so we should be aware of hmm, what's going on right around us in the present moment rather than running these mental tapes that uh, we're not really eating when we're eating <laughs> or, you know, 
we have to always feel like we're doing two or maybe three things at the same time, and then we feel good. <laughs> we feel productive, you know. So this is something that's, uh, I think, a modern uh, uh, menace problem uh, in our in our based modern life. Well, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, you have a beautiful day. Thank you.